On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks pick up a third straight victory for the first time in more than two months. And it was a wild one down in Miami, including a late game-winning jumper from DeJounte Murray for the second straight game. We'll get into all of what transpired in a win for the Hawks, and we'll get into all of that right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1634 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Prize Picks, the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the place to go is prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code LOCKEDONNBA for a first about the match up to $100. Also, at the top of the podcast, I should encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to the podcast and check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. On the audio side, places like Apple and Spotify, and we're also on YouTube on the video side. And today's show, we'll be diving into what became a very entertaining yet weird, close-fought, kind of a sloggy game at times, but in the end, a 109-108 to win for the Hawks on the road in Miami, their third straight victory, and the first time since November 4th when the Hawks were 4-2 and overall. Yes, 4-2 and overall that they've won three straight games. Also, they were 0-2 against Miami this year before this one. So now 1-2 against Miami, probably their number one rival in a lot of different ways. This is, of course, also the midway point of the season. This was game 41 of 82. The Hawks are now an unimpressive, but still better than it, better than it was, 18-23 and on the year. And I said it was close before. It really was very close along the way. No team led by more than 10 points in this one. There were nine lead changes in the fourth quarter alone. This game was essentially back and forth all the way to the end. In fact, the Hawks were down by four points with about 30 seconds to go in this one. On the road in Miami without Trey Young, by the way, which we, we should at least mention at the top of the podcast. But they overcame that, came back, and then DeJounte Murray for the second straight game in about you know 48 hours or so, hitting a pull-up jump shot. Um, not This was not quite a buzzer beater, but certainly close to it. A game winner with about two seconds to go. And then, uh, fortunately, Miami didn't even get a shot up on the other, on the other end of the floor. So it was a... Uh, a fun game for sure. Uh, celebrations and all that fun stuff. The vibes are better now with the Hawks. You know, when, when you win games, guys are generally happier post game. That's kind of the way this this stuff works around the NBA. And of course, the Hawks have a very tough turnaround on Saturday, a back to back that uh, they will have a very very large disadvantage in when it comes to rest. But they got they got this win, and it was a lot of fun to uh, consume and dive into. Even if it was uh, certainly one that was uh, not gonna not gonna be lowering your heart rate if you are uh, invested in the basketball side. So. As we always do on the podcast, if you're a new listener, what we do here is kind of go broad first, some broad takeaways from this game, my overall analysis, then we'll dive in the middle of the podcast to kind of how this game unfolded, play-by-play-wise, um, my observations throughout the game, uh, crunch time, etc. At the end of the show, what we do is talk about all the players who, who actually participated in this game, how they all fared, some uh, more key notes, etc. And at the very, very end of the show, a brief look ahead of what's to come tomorrow against the Cavs at home. But, you know, again, broadly speaking, no Trey Young in this game makes life hard for the Hawks. I know there's in some corners of the internet, a movement to say the Hawks are better without Trey, that's just absolutely silly and not even worth discussing, to be honest with you. Uh, but Trey did not travel to Miami due to illness. He also has shoulder issues and calf issues. So he was uh, he was tweeting at the end of the game, so he was certainly invested, but not um, not in Miami. And how about this? The Hawks were seven-point underdogs, according to our friends at FanDuel, at tip-off of this game, which honestly was reasonable given that they were on the road against a team that was at, at kind of not full strength, but certainly close to it with Butler, Bam, Hero, etc., but the Hawks have only been bigger underdogs than this once all year long. This was tied for their second biggest point spread underdog 
of the year. The other time they, they actually were bigger than this was they were plus eight and a half in Philadelphia in a game that Trey did not play in. And that became a double-digit loss. So this is one where, like, they were uphill for sure in this one. Um, we'll get back to the sort of the end of the game heroics later on in the podcast. But again, in zooming out, I would actually argue this was a defense-first win in some ways for the Hawks. Um, they had a they had a one twelve or so defensive rating in this game, which is not like fantastic or elite, but it is very solid in a vacuum. And you throw in the fact that the Hawks are, let's just say, not very good <laughs> defensively, broadly speaking. Um, a nice performance there. Miami's offense is not anything to write home about. That's certainly worth acknowledging. Um, even you know they are a good team that, generally speaking, wins at a higher level than their metrics indicate. Um, a lot of that is their defense and their coaching. Uh, in this game, Miami was like okay shooting it about, about league average or so, but it was the rest of the stuff the Hawks did pretty well on. They forced 18 turnovers. That was a big key to this game. Only allowed 21 assists as well. So a lot of like one-on-one opportunities for the Heat that are tougher. They held Miami to. Um, sub 60% at the rim, which is very good. 46 points in the paint, very solid for the Hawks. Importantly, they were good in transition, only allowing nine fast break points, and also did not get beat up when Miami was flowing in transition in general. Not like, you know, they got some good looks up, but they were not like on fire in this game, which definitely helped. And we'll get to it again later, but crunch time, the Hawks did pretty ex- execute fairly well defense, but there was one breakdown that led to a big three by Hero in the very, very end of the game. But other than that, it was pretty solid. Some nice plays by Jalen Johnson in particular defensively at the end of the game. And in general, the Hawks have played a little bit more drop coverage in the last couple of games. And if you are not familiar with that, basically they're having the their centers, whether it be Capella or Okongwu, play a little bit further back. And uh, a little bit more of a conservative scheme in a lot of ways. Uh, more of what the Hawks used to do under, under McMillan and what like a lot of teams do when they don't really have a ton of personnel. And look, there are flaws to that approach as well. I have to say that because you can sort of allow guys to get into their pull-ups, etc. But what it does do is kind of keep guys like bogey and guys like Bay in particular from getting just massacred on back cuts and a lot of the uh, rotational breakdowns the Hawks have been having all year long were not as bad in the last couple of games and that definitely helps again there are flaws to this as well which is why they're trying to be more aggressive this year but to play to play a lot more drop in this game and still force turnovers and kind of play into their uh, strengths a little bit more was was definitely helpful and they're not giving up the volume of easy buckets so um, all that said, it was an impressive, connected effort. I was going to play some um, audio from Quinn, but it was a little bit fuzzy, what I have. So uh, he talks about how connected they were. And he, he led, of course, with the defense. He did, t- he did t- talk about DeJounte as well, as he should have. But it was a defense-first win for me, uh, especially when you, again, this is a team where I'm not, I'm not saying this is the way that it should be or something like that, but if you were just kind of realistic, this is a team that has a very good offensive infrastructure, talent-wise, and a poor defense infrastructure, talent-wise. And for them to kind of go out there and win this game, not solely on defense, but anything like that, but certainly they were good enough defensively and rock-solid enough, especially when it mattered, that was a, and it was an impressive thought. And just to say this out loud, I think if you listen to this podcast regularly, you will know that uh, Trey is not like a single-handed disaster defensively in the way that some national folks want to paint him. Yes, the defense should improve without Trey, but and it did in this game uh, to some level, but um, if anyone wants to tell you that's the only reason why, that's definitely not the case. Like, for instance, the Hawks use Patty Mills a lot in this game. Patty Mills is not much better than Trey on defense, if at all. So it wasn't like they had some huge personnel improvement defensively. Yes, more more Trent Forrest helps. Uh, less of Trey probably helps, but um, it was a team effort. They played better defensively in this game, and it was not just one spot or one area. Um, offensively, look, it was not anything impressive, I have to say. They had a 116 offensive rating in this game. Now, you have to grade a look uh, on the same curve that I did on the other side of the floor because... When you adjust for not having Trey, who is by far the best offensive player, um, and also facing Miami's defense, which is also quite good and well-coached, that's a very solid enough offensive performance from the Hawks on paper. 
They also survived minutes without DeJounte in this game. He played a lot of minutes, as he should have. Um, uh, almost 40 in this one, which was, uh, I think, reasonable because they just cannot afford the offense without him. If you watch this game, the minutes without DeJounte were very painful to watch. And uh, that's kind of goes without saying. Like, look, as much as I like Trent Forrest, he's not going to, like, run a, good, run a good offense. So, all that said, they made plays at the end. And the big thing is... Um, they they needed, and look, when you're missing your best player, you need some positive variance, especially on the road. The Hawks were 15 to 35 from three in this game, 43%. That And that's a big reason why they won this game. Like, that was not the only reason why, but the bench for the Hawks in this game was the following from three. Akangu, one of one. Patty Mills, three of five. Garrison Matthews, three of four. And Trent Forrest, one of two. So the bench made eight of the 15 threes in this game. And they shot like 60%, something like that, from three, maybe more than that, from three from the bench. So, um... Yeah, you needed to have some variance, but you did it, and they were able to make some shots. Um, again, six threes from Garrison and Patty was huge. They didn't get to the line very much. That was uh, the kind of mistray there. He was their number one free throw creator by a lot. But they won the turnover battle. Uh, they scratched up just enough by making more three more threes than Miami did. And again, they were not up to their usual standard offensively, and nor were they ever going to be without Trey probably in this game. But they were five of nine from three in the fourth quarter, and they were seven of seven at the free throw line in the fourth quarter. Um, that was huge in this one. So... Broadly speaking, like the Hawks were not perfect in this game by any means. They did enough to win. Um, but like some of the positive, I should say some of the negative stuff from the close games, the Hawks were running so bad in close games for the first 30 plus games of the season that like, you know, even if you were super negative about the Hawks and I try to tell people on the, on the podcast, they were kind of due for some positive regression in close games. Like you don't just lose every close game all year long. Even if you're bad, you don't generally do that. The Hawks were underperforming their metrics by so much that it was like they were kind of due for some of these. And yeah, the two big shots by, by DeJounte kind of won these at the end, but they were kind of just, you know, due for some positivity, I would say, in these close games. But look, a, a very, very impressive win. I will just say that again. To go down there as a seven-point underdog without Trey um, on Udonis Haslam, uh, Jersey retirement night, lots of pomp circumstances in Miami. The Hawks were down in this game multiple times in the second half. They were down four games, again, four with less than a minute to go. To, to steal this one was massive, and uh, I'll just leave it there for now. You, you never want to overstate it either. I am big on not overstating in the negative when they lose a game. I'm not going to do that on, on, on a win either. Like it's still one of 82. Like they, this is a good win, and they have not had a, they have not had a ton of good wins this year. Uh, a lot of their wins have been against bad teams, which is good. You want to beat the bad teams, but they beat a pretty good team. They beat them on the road, and they beat them in a very close game without Trey, and that's a very very strong result here in mid-January. And again, 18-23, nothing to write home about, but they're actually very solid on the road. 10-12 on the road is all you could really ask for. It's just the problem that's been, they've been not that great at home. But anyway, I will digress. Stop talking about that stuff for now. And we'll get into kind of how this game unfolded in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and our partners, eBay Motors, a team with longtime fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy basketball picks each week, all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire in your season-long league, every single week we're actually going to have some players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster in your fantasy basketball lineups. And let's see who Josh has picked out for us now on this week's edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And as always, he has a full list of guys to highlight. We're going to focus, though, on Marvin Bagley, former top draft pick, who has uh, now changed teams recently. He's now a member of the Wizards and uh, after being moved from Detroit. And Josh points out that Daniel Gafford, who's been starting for the Wizards this year at center, is a good player, has been in the, in the concussion protocol recently. And in Bagley's first game with the Wizards, he had 20 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks, and two steals. Now, that will not be his usual production, 
I have to say, but he is shooting almost 6% from the field this year, taking back to Detroit, and honestly, he had some pretty solid fantasy stats on a per-game basis in Detroit, at least on a per-minute basis. Um, not the sexiest addition in the world, a well-known player, but not someone who's been playing great in the NBA, but Bagley is in line to play some real minutes the rest of the year on a very, very openly rebuilding team in Washington, and uh, he's being undervalued, according to Josh right now on fantasy basketball circles, so keep an eye on that. And Josh Lloyd, again, from Lifetime Fantasy Basketball, can be helping you win your fantasy championships this year. eBay Motors knows a lot about championship teams, and they know that each player is about is about being a perfect fit with your roster it's the same exact thing for your vehicle i'm on the road a ton for different job things including including hawks games and going to hawk stuff all over the place and and there have been times in the past i've needed upgrades for my car or even just to fix a part or two to keep things running and on schedule even motors is the best possible place to do all of that they have over 122, 122 million parts for your number one ride you can make sure that your car truck stays running smoothly they have led lights they have brake kits they have roof racks bumpers Whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors will have it for you. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, these prices, you are burning rubber and not burning cash, which is always crucial. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. One more time, that's ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. All right, and to the way this game unfolded, and uh, Bogey started in place of Trey in this game. He's actually started three games this year, and uh, ironically, or not so ironically, I suppose, Bogey started the three games that Trey didn't play. So they kind of wanted to hold Bogey back when they had Trey and DeJounte, and when they don't, they start Bogey. That makes a lot of sense to me anyway. Um, they went up six early in the, in the game. They actually kind of bludgeoned Miami a little bit on the glass early in this game. Reminded me a little bit of the play-in victory where the Hawks had down in Miami last year where they kind of beat, just beat the hit up inside a lot in that game. Uh, I was very confident coming into the game that they were going to play their usual top six. Of course, they have a top eight, and then you have no Hunter and no Young in this game. Um, and pretty confident Garrison Matthews would play, and he did. Um, I was not sure about the other stuff in the rotation. I, I knew that either Patty Mills or Garrison Matthews, or Trent Forrest, I should say, were going to play, and they ended up both playing. So they played nine guys in this game. It was Trent as the ninth man, Patty as the eighth man, and then Garrison and, of course, Okongwu off the bench. It was actually Trent as the backup point guard. He only played when DeJounte was off the floor, I think, in this game, or at least maybe a minute or so, but nothing else beyond that. He was basically just the backup point guard, whereas Patty played alongside one of the guards um, all the way along, which, you know, it is what it is. Trent actually played pretty well in the first quarter. Not so well after that, I didn't think. Um, Darius Matthews drew a charge that was kind of meant to play for him. Patty shot the ball well in this game, which we'll come back to in this one. I don't think he was great defensively, but he gave him some big shots along the way that were very helpful. Um, yeah, it's kind of ironic. The the only guys that had uh, negative plus minus on the bench were Trent and Patty, which kind of makes sense. They're out there without DeJounte a lot, but um, it is what it is. Uh, they were up eight at the end of the first quarter. The Hawks were not, like, in control, but they played good defense. In fact, Capella had actually a season high in rebounds in the first quarter. He had eight in about seven minutes, and the Hawks also shot 5-11 from three. Um, but, of course, they had a kind of timely, ugly stretch in the second quarter, a 10-2 run. The Hawks had two points in about five minutes early in the second quarter. A lot of that without DeJounte, as you might expect. They were actually um, not scoring. And then once, even, when, even when he came back in, they really couldn't score for a while. They had some issues defensively with Duncan Robinson, who had a hot game in December against the Hawks. And he was he did cool off a little bit as the game went along, but he had uh, 10 points in a hurry against the Hawks. Uh, both offenses actually got hot late in the first half. Uh, DeJounte had a big four-point play in the right corner against the Heat. And uh, it was a close game going into halftime because the Hawks' offense was doing enough. Murray 15 in the first half. Um, I have to do this now and forgive this small rant, but I thought it was preposterous, honestly, how Miami handled the Udonis Haslam retirement of his jersey. Now, I'm not saying anything about retiring jerseys. That's a separate conversation. Udonis is actually like a legitimate local legend in Miami. So put that aside. I'm not criticizing him at all. 
Um, it's about the Heat having this game tip off at 8-10 Eastern time. Now, that's not crazy late. I understand that around the league. But if you're going to have the late start, you could easily do the retirement before the game. Especially, again, this game is about 8-10 Eastern time, which is not the usual on the East Coast. Then, halftime was, by my count, between 35 and 36 minutes long. Usually, halftime is like 14 minutes long. So, two and a half times as long as usual. So, not only do you start the game 30, 40 minutes later than usual without doing the retirement, you do that retirement at halftime, and the game ends well after 11 p.m. The Hawks play tomorrow. Uh, back in Atlanta. So, honestly, an awful situation no matter what. If the Hawks weren't playing tomorrow, it's just like, you don't want to have players sitting around. I don't know if they're not sitting around, actually sitting around, but that's an incredibly long layoff for basketball players who are not doing anything in a locker room. Anyway, um, I'm not even saying it was an advantage thing. I don't worry about, like, I'm not talking about, like, screwing the Hawks. It's more about the fact that it was just not the way it should have been handled. I don't understand why they did that. Anyway. Uh, there was a nice run by Miami to open the half. I would have said this either way. I don't care about the results there, but it did go in Miami's favor coming out of halftime, an 11-2 run. Um, the Hawks, by the way, as a reminder, came into this game with a negative 12.6 net rating in the third quarter. For reference, that is only better than three teams in the league in the third quarter, and they are Charlotte, San Antonio, and Washington. Three of the, as John Hollinger has called them, forlorn five. There are five horrible teams in the league this year. That's three of them. The Hawks actually have actually been worse in the third quarter than Portland and Detroit, who are also the other teams in that 4-5. So you can't just blame the halftime. The Hawks have just been awful in the third quarter. Now, they did bounce back from that. They actually won the last, like, nine minutes of the third quarter. But it was the kind of damage was done. Um, Capella actually woke them up a little bit with a three-point three, three play in the middle of the quarter. Um, they stopped the bleeds a little bit after that. Um, it was actually gross basketball on both ends of the floor, both sides of the floor, both teams in the third quarter for a long time. Two points combined in more than four minutes for the Hawks and the Heat in the third quarter. Bogey got cracked by a legal screen by Bam Adebayo and went down hard. It actually seemed to wake Bogey up a little bit. He was actually rough before that. I'm not saying it was like a directly result of that, but he played better after that, actually. But um, uh, no one came to his defense, which, which kind of annoyed me. I, I would like to see somebody get into Bam's face there after a very bad illegal screen. And also nobody called it out. I think it was a Kongwu that kind of missed that call out behind him. But Garrison hit a late three, and the, actually the, Haw the Hawks held the Heat scoreless. For about four and a half minutes at the end of the third quarter. At the end of the third quarter. So there, there's that. Uh, Murray played the whole fourth, though. Sorry, played the whole third, though. So they were going to have to play him, play without him for a while in the fourth. That was a little bit scary, but they actually managed to win those minutes by two points. That was a, a huge kind of sneaky thing there. Couldn't uh, want a challenge, I should say. Uh, with Bogey asking for that early in the fourth quarter. The Hawks hit threes from Bogey and Patty uh, early in the fourth quarter to kind of take the lead, take the lead back a little bit. Um, Miami, though, just kept. Struggling to score. I mean, that, that was honestly one of the reasons why the Hawks were able to have their defensive numbers that they had. The Heat ended up scoring, I believe it was two points in about eight minutes, late third and early fourth. Very helpful. Um, it was essentially super tight from that point forward. The Hawks were, um, you know, up by, actually, sorry, they gave up, gave up actually allowed a four-point play to go back down by five mid-quarter. Um, but the Hawks scored six points in a row on a three-point play by Bogey, sorry, three-point play by Bay, and a triple by Bogey. Um, they were up two or three minutes to go, and we'll kind of go from there now after a timeout. So they're up two, and then Jimmy Butler gets called for an offensive foul. So you're in, good, in, a, in a good spot there. Vegas is the line, taking advantage of Tyler Hero's ineffectiveness defensively, and the Hawks are up by four in the last two and a half minutes or so. But then things flipped entirely. Butler got a dunk. Bay missed a pretty bad shot, like a forced mid-ranger that he didn't need to take at all. He had been 
pretty good at like being aggressive, but he kind of pulled up for a pretty bad shot. I did not love that one. Then Butler got right to the rim around Bay for three-point play. So it was a bad stretch by, by Sadiq in a lot in a lot of ways to go from basically being up four or five to being down one in less than a minute. Then Murray took a very bad shot after that, after dribbling around for way too long. Um, defensively, the Hawks got a stop, but Capella actually walled off on Butler in a really good in a really good way. But then Capella got the rebound, passed it to Bogey, hit Bogey in the hands, and went out of bounds. So it wasn't the greatest pass in the world, but it was Bogey's fault probably in my mind. Anyway, a miscommunication, bad execution, and a one of those plays that like usually sinks you. But this one, it didn't. So um, the Hawks went down by three actually once Bam scored, and the Capella got fouled, which is honestly, even as a Capella advocate, not where you want to be down three with, with Clint at the line, but I will circle this. He made both free throws, and that ended up being very big in the last minute and a half or so, especially because on the next possession, Hero hit a hit a three to go up by four. So not an easy shot. I thought Murray kind of overhelped a little bit at the end of that play, but it was a 27-footer over a pretty, a pretty decent contest. He just made the shot, and that was that was a tough shot. Um, and suddenly, as I mentioned before, the Hawks are down by four points with 35, 35 seconds left. And at that point, out of a timeout, you have to score or the game ends, basically. Um, and fortunately for the Hawks, Richardson fouls Bogey in a weird way in the corner. Like, I don't know why he did that, but he did. Goes to the line, makes both. And because it was so fast, they didn't have to foul. Like, if if they if, if Richardson had not fouled Bogey and they had to take a little bit more time, at that point, to score, even if they had scored, they probably would have had to foul. But because it was so early and so fast, it was kind of unheat-like in a lot of ways. They had that that sort of, sort of mistake there. That happens, and now they have a differential, so they didn't have to foul. Jalen did a great job on Tyler Hero. It was one-on-one in the, on the left side. Jalen walled him off, used his size beautifully, forces a, a, a makeable shot by, by Hero, but one that he it was certainly a low percentage one. He misses it. And then, importantly here, I'll stop, Murray got the rebound, which I think was notable because... I think that Quinn might have called timeout if it was not rebounded by Murray. Because they had like seven seconds to go, something like that, when he got the rebound. But because Jante already had it, he's the guy that they want to turn and push it. You're down by two. I don't mind that at all. Now, there's an argument there for like, do you go to the rim or do you take a three to try to walk it off? Also, you're on the road. You play tomorrow. I am all about taking a three for the win there. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's not a super high percentage shot, but certainly you want to take a three if you can. Murray gets to it. It's a shot that almost exactly like yesterday, or sorry, on Wednesday, it was not an easy shot, but it's one that DeJounte practices and takes a lot, and he's really good at shooting off the dribble, and he did it. So he gets to this spot, pulls up, hits the three. It wasn't a buzzer beater, so the game wasn't over. Um, timeout by the Heat, and honestly, Caleb Martin had what I thought was going to be a, a good, decent look for the win, but he, for some reason he pump faked. I don't know what happened there. He just kind of had a brain melt and uh, didn't get a shot off. So celebration ensues, and like, Crazy stuff, but again, the Hawks are down by four points at the very end of the game, and the combination of the Richardson foul, uh, free throws by Bogey, then he makes both of, then a good stop by Jalen, and also um, DeJounte just being really heads up, pushing the ball, and again, I love just to take the shot there. Take the three for the win on the road in a game that you know, you're trying to steal, and he makes it, and they do- and they get out of there, they escape, get on the plane, go home, and uh, a fun one for sure. It was high stress. If you're a Hawks fan, I'm, I'm positive. I was just covering, I was just covering the game without without emotions, and I was stressed. So it is what it is. But a, a nice win and another big shot by Dejounte again. Back to back, 
game winners in the final three seconds of the game. It does not happen very often. So hats up to him. Huge stuff from DeJounte. And uh, I'll touch on the uh, Trevor River stuff a little bit later on in the podcast probably. But uh, kind of a, a funny backdrop with all the uh, rumblings around DeJounte to have him do this in back-to-back games. And this one without Trey. Like, just a nice little storyline. But anyway, on the court, a win, a win, a win. And they get out of there with the victory. All right, we'll have more on the player-by-player stuff at the end of the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix, and PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and also the easiest, most exciting way to play DFS. At PrizePix, you pick two to six players, and then choose whether they have more or less than a projection in a ton of different categories. And with 25 times the money on your entries, you can also now pick combo projections at PrizePix that allow you to include two or more players from different sports or different leagues. And PrizePix also offers huge selections of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else. They have projections on the NFL, NBA. MLB, NHL, college sports, and much more. And they have a reboot policy as well. They are the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. I've really enjoyed price picks for quite some time now. I dig in regularly on the NBA stuff, college basketball, NFL ones going on in the playoffs right now. And on the whole, the experience of price picks is easy, it's fun, and I recommend it at the absolute highest level. And the place to go is pricepicks.com slash LotsOnNBA and use code LotsOnNBA when you get there for a first-time deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is pricepicks.com slash LotsOnNBA. Use code LotsOnNBA. And one more time again, pricepicks.com slash LotsOnNBA. Check out DFS Made Easy with Price Picks. All right, and before I touch on the player stuff, I will just say um, I will probably have a larger trade rumor roundup on the next show tomorrow or something like that. There's not anything anything like hugely um, breaking. I'm trying to do some dra- some tra- um, trade stuff on every podcast basically right now because there's so much talk about it. But because of the win, it's back to back, all that stuff. Uh, I'll just plug this. I did a several minute show, basically 30 minute full size show on Thursday with the, folks at, with the folks that locked on Knicks on this feed that I read as a crosser. I'm basically the guest on that show, but certainly I'm involved in it, talking about DeJounte and the Knicks in particular. But I'll have some uh, stuff from Mike Scotto and uh, Johan Vuha, also Chris Haynes. I'll touch on that stuff tomorrow. But um, again, I thought it was kind of funny and interesting that DeJounte is still very much in the mix of trade rumors. And I got you know, all the reactions on all sides from who cares about this game and t- to uh, some excited Hawks fans saying, you can't trade him now. And I get all that. We'll, have, we'll, have, we'll, sort, we'll sort of have a step back when the emotions are a little bit lower uh, tomorrow or the next day or whatever. But I'll have more tra- trade stuff in the future, I promise you. But uh, just hold the line. We have lots of lots to talk about and still have two and a half, three weeks to go until the deadline. All right. With that said, to the player stuff in this game. Um, again, as I mentioned before, nine guys played in this game. The bench was interesting. You know, Forrest played 10 minutes, 3.3 assists. The offense did grind to a not 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 quite a full halt with Trent on the floor and, and Dejounte off, but certainly not the best. And look, that's to be expected. Um, if you throw Trent out there, yes, he yes he had Bogey, but for the for the majority of the game, Bogey was not his best self. And honestly, the formula of having a good enough offense for the Hawks without Trey kind of involves Bogey being good. And until the fourth quarter, he, he really wasn't. So you had for a long time in this game, nine ten minutes, you had you had Forrest Mills. And Bogey playing together, and Bogey didn't really have it, so it's like kind of kind of a tough scene. Anyway, I thought Trent was okay, um, not his best probably. Patty Mills minus seven in the game, eighteen minutes, but eleven points, two assists, three rebounds, um, three hit three threes. Um, defensively, he does get to, he, get, he does get focused on a little bit, and he should. But I think that Patty competed. There's one play where I thought he should have taken charge, and he actually tried to, just didn't get quite out there far enough to uh, sell it. But I thought he gave them reasonable minutes. He is limited for sure. But as a reminder, Patty Mills can really shoot the ball. I mean, it's gets lost sometimes. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about Garrison in a second, too. He's also a really good shooter. The Hawks have two guys in Mills and Matthews who are actually, like, proven 
good NBA three-point shooters. Like, no debate about that whatsoever. So that, that was helpful in this game, again, because they combined to go six of nine from three. Uh, speaking of Garrison, I thought he was actually quite quite solid in this one. I know folks have kind of waxed and waned on Garrison this year. He's not special, but I do think that he is better than Hawks fans tend to think that he is at this point. The shooting is what it is. He's very uh, he's a proven three-point shooter, 40-plus percent over a large sample size. Um, defensively, he was pretty pretty active in this game. He had three assists, um, plus 12 in the game. Again, I'm not saying that you want him to play all the time, but right now, with where they are injury-wise without Hunter, like it's reasonable for him to have him play. I thought he was actually pretty actively good in this game. Akongwu, 9 points, 5 rebounds, a block, and a steal. Forneka had 5 fouls, but got to the line. Uh, sorry, didn't get to the line, but actually got to the rim a lot in this one. Uh, hit a 3, as he is wont to do sometimes, plus 13 in the game. Um, they play, I played him a little bit at the very end when they were trailing. Um, it was mostly Capella in crunch time, but it was uh, some Akongwu sprinkled in as well, which I was okay with on all sides. Um, they played um, Akongwu more than Capella in this game, which I actually was fine with, even though they closed with Capella for the most part. Uh, speaking of Clint, 9 points, 11 rebounds, and a block for Clint in 22 minutes of action. The two big free throws at the end were huge, 5-7 in the game at the line for him. Um, I thought he was okay. He was not great in his second stint of the game, so his first stint, pretty good. Second quarter, like late late, late uh, second quarter, kind of going into halftime, he was not very good. Second half, he was better. Um, still some activity issues sometimes with Clint right now, but when he's in drop, he's, he is effective around the rim, and I thought he was all right in this one. Um, Jalen, good game for him overall. A couple big spot, stops late in the game. It's a reminder that some, sometimes Jalen's a little bit clunky on offense still, especially without Trey. I think he has that synergy with Trey a little bit. Um, it's just kind of not anything negative. It's just like a reminder every once in a while that he's not quite all the way there yet on offense. And I mean that in an encouraging way because he's already really good. But um, it's just he doesn't have a ton of reps doing some of the stuff that, he's, that he sometimes needs to do as a number two option. But still, 15 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Um, the defense late in the game was huge. Um, 6 to 10 at the, from 2, 1 to 4 from 3. I think it's a line at all, but I thought he was uh, pretty solid in this one. Sadiq Bey, 14 points. He cannot make a 3. 0 of 5. Uh, every podcast is the same thing right now. Sadiq just can't make a 3 and uh, keep firing. You know, Quinn said that before, um, what he's been asked in the last couple of weeks. There's not really a solution. He's just got to keep shooting. Uh, Bay's a better shooter than this. Um, defensively, he is kind of shaky, but I will say he had a couple of nice finishes around the rim in this one that were actually kind of important. And look, I've criticized his defense more than most have and earlier going back to last year than most have, but people were kind of getting so frustrated with him today that it was like, why is he playing? And it's like, well, he kind of has to play. Um, for all of Bay's flaws, he is a better player than Garrison Matthews. He is a better player than Patty Mills. Like he's going to have to play minutes without him. Like if Hunter was around, they could minimize Bay. He wouldn't stop playing. But right now, he he has to play big minutes. So you're just hoping that shots go in. Eventually they will. And I thought he was kind of better than the numbers indicated shooting-wise, but still uh, defensively it's a little bit tough. And the combination of him not making threes and defense is really unsightly, but it worked out enough in this game. Bogey, big fourth quarter. Um, he was rough before that. 17 points for Bogey on 16 shot attempts, basically from the from the sort of as far as shooting possessions are concerned. Um, he was guarded in a heavy way. I thought it was actually interesting. Miami kind of famously loads up on Trey when they play the Hawks, as they should, and it's worked. Um, they almost gave Bogey the treatment more than DeJounte in this game. If you watched it, they were kind of loading up to DeJounte almost more than they were, sorry, lo lo loading up to Bogey more than more than DeJounte in this one, which I thought was interesting. Um, it didn't necessarily matter. Like, Bogey was not his best at all, but in the fourth quarter, made a, made a couple big shots, a couple big plays, got the, got the line late on that play by Richardson that was a huge foul, made both, and, uh, you know, just, just enough to uh, kind of avoid all the offensive issues. And then DeJounte. 
obviously the big, the big shot at the end, he got some praise from Quinn for his 48-minute uh, play. Obviously, only played 40 in this game. He was not efficient. He was actually 22 points on 22 shots, which is kind of, you know, not great. But he was 6 of 15 on twos. He didn't really have it going to the rim a lot. He, he took a couple of four shots. But um, I will be the first to say um, he's relied on so heavily without Trey that even when Trey is available, when Trey's on the bench, DeJounte's usage skyrockets, and it should. That, that's part of the appeal of having DeJounte on your team right now with Trey is that you can give him the ball and have him run a lot of stuff. And he was not terribly efficient in this game. He, had, he had actually had 11 assists. That was a, a number that he's not approached this year for the most part. Part of that's just having the ball a lot. But 40 minutes of play, defensively he was credible in this one. I thought he gave pretty decent effort for the most part. And uh, a good game for DeJounte, obviously the big shot at the end. So... Um, does this mean that you can't trade him? No, but obviously it is a reminder. And I said this on the, on the show yesterday, and I've always maintained this, even as someone who uh, was is pretty open to the Hawks moving Murray, and I've, I've heard lots of things about the Hawks moving him potentially. He's really good. I said this last night too, so if you want to listen, I'm sorry, Wednesday night, listen to that show as well. But like, he's a very good basketball player, and that shouldn't be lost in the middle of all the other stuff. Tonight, another example of that, a bunch of big shots, um, and it is what it is. Obviously the game winner is the headliner, but uh, yeah. He was helpful in this game. And obviously, they don't win it without DeJounte playing 40 minutes. And uh, honestly, if he could have played any more than that, they would have, they would have played him more than that. It is what it is. Okay. I'm done on this podcast. <laughs> um, but back-to-back. So I'll be talking to you again in about 24 hours exactly. The Hawks play at home on Saturday against Cleveland. It is a massive disadvantage in terms of scheduling for the Hawks. So the Cavs have been off since Wednesday. So they were off Thursday and Friday. They were already in Atlanta as of like Friday morning, Friday afternoon. In fact, the Hawks have played five games and the, and the Cavs have played two games in the last week, essentially. So that's tough. Um, the game is in Atlanta, but the Hawks won't land and get home until probably 2 a.m., something like that. I don't know what time it's going to be. It'll be late. Um, the only sort of evening point there is, again, it is at home. Um Trey might be back. That'd be helpful, and he'll be hopefully fresh. I know he's been sick, but, you know, it is what it is. He didn't, we didn't play, play a game today. And the Cavs also have some injury issues. So the Cavs won't have Evan Mobley or Darius Garland. So two of their top four players are out. They've been hurt for a while. And also Karis LeVert is, is listed as doubtful. He's like their sixth best player. So they might be without three of their top six, seven guys. That will level playing field a little bit. Still, though, at FanDuel right now, I'm looking at this live um, post-midnight on Saturday morning. The Hawks are underdogs. Um, not a huge surprise. Again, it's a really, really rough schedule spot for the Hawks. But certainly a winnable game. So there's that, and we'll have full coverage of that game um, in, sort of in advance. If you will find me on patreon.com slash btrolling. Also, um, after the game, I'll have a new podcast, as I always would, and uh, stay tuned for all of that. In fact, please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review, especially but especially subscribe slash follow, download the show, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, also YouTube. Um, likes and subscriptions there are very much appreciated. Please share it with a Hawks fan friend in your life. That'd be very, very helpful as well. Follow the show on Twitter at Hawks. Follow me there at BT Roland. I also have some bonus, some bonus, I should say, audio content on the audio only feeds. If you are a fan of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast, they are uh, recording their shows on their own YouTube channel, but their audio is on our podcast. So you get all that bonus content coming to you if you're a subscriber to the podcast. Just some extra stuff, nothing less from me, but um, extra audio goodness in your ear, in your ears. So all that, all that said, I'm done rambling, rambling on today's podcast. It's very late, so forgive me. But uh, a fun game. A nice one for the Hawks, an opportunity for four in a row if they can pull off a uh, mild upset on Saturday evening. Stay tuned, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday.